the Making Sense of Life podcast, episode 11. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome again to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Andrew Horton and Dr. Sunil Raheja. Sunil, thank you ever so much for joining us again. And uh, today we are looking at the topic of money. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Great to be with you. And yeah, what a subject it is. What a topic it is. In fact, Andrew, I'll just just start off. I'll say I know, Andrew, exactly how much money you need. In fact, I, I know, listener, whoever you are, wherever you are, in your car, in your house, wherever you are, I know exactly how much money you need. I know exactly how much money I need. Do you know how much you need, Andrew? Um, I guess it's not something like a million pounds. Well, all I'd say is all you need is a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> we all need a little bit more. That's all we, we all need a little bit more money. That's right. <laughs> that's what we all think. Okay, so on a, on a, on a kind of a, a more serious note now, we're going to be looking a little bit today about um, what we can learn about money and how it can, in some senses bias happiness now you've written some blogs on this haven't you Sunil? so tell us a little bit more about um uh, what are your thoughts on on how money can in some circumstances bias happiness well yes i mean obviously the phrase that we often hear more is money can't buy happiness and there's obviously lots of evidence for that as well you know if you think of some famous rich people in the past um john rockefeller, rockefeller he said i've made many millions but they have brought me no happiness uh, w.h vanderbilt the care of 200 million dollars is enough to kill anyone there's no pleasure in it uh, john jacob astor i'm the most miserable man on earth so you know andrew carnegie millionaires seldom smile so we know a lot about how money can't buy happiness but as i was doing my research um, for the blog post i came across a very interesting book by dunn and norton mm-hmm. and the book's called happy money right. the new science of smarter spending okay tell us a little bit about that yeah, well, they give some principles, actually, as to how money can actually buy happiness. Uh, and it's quite fascinating, really. And, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think one of the things that struck me from your blog is, uh, one of the things that always stri- struck, strikes me from your blog is, is how you, you lay things out very clearly and, and very systematically. And you've, you've got your five points here that are very interesting. And we want to go through these now. So the first of all, uh, first point is about... Uh, how money can bias experiences. Tell us about that. Yes, now that's fascinating really because what they say in the book is that it's not buying things but buying experiences that makes all the difference. And if I give my own personal example, (laughs) this goes back a long way. Uh, When I was a teenager, I was given the choice between buying 
a cassette player. It was a big thing in those days, a cassette player. Oh. Or going to Switzerland to visit some relatives. Now, for some reason, which <laughs> I still don't understand, I chose the cassette player. And uh, my parents don't live very far from me. And the last time I checked, that's this is over 35 years ago, that cassette player is still in the house. Oh. I don't know why they haven't got rid of it. But in retrospect, I think I should have gone to Switzerland and given myself some memories to carry with my li- in, in my life. Mm. Um, so that was, and that, that's the whole point. It's it's buying experiences rather than things. And but on the positive note, I remember this, this was 1973, and my dad came home one day and and he said, "Right, we've got a choice as a family. Either we buy a 26-inch color television, which was a big deal in those days, yeah, because color TV had come and a 26-inch was the best you could get. Yeah, Cathay ray tube, wasn't oh, it? Yes, that's right, Cathay ray tubes. Or this was a choice he gave us. Or we go to India. Now, we obviously opted for the TV. No, no, we did not opt for the TV, okay? (laughs) We went to India. It was supposed to be for a month, and we ended up being there for three months because of a train strike. But it was an amazing, you know, I've missed lots of school, and it was an amazing, it was an amazing time. It had its challenges, but it was, I've got memories that that three months in India, I'm pretty sure shaped a lot of my thinking uh, and has impact right to today. Um, You know, I I somehow don't think if we'd opted for the 26-inch color tv mm. i don't think it would have had anywhere near the same level of um of excitement fun and joy and memories that come with that and and, and also you, you wouldn't miss any school if you just had the tv <laughs> yes, that's right missing missing where three months of school as well which is which is great as well i just think of mark twain he says i, I um I, I never let school interfere with my education but anyway that's another point <laughs> so money can buy happiness but if it buys experiences, and that's especially the case uh, done in Norton, say, if the experience brings you together with other people, fostering a sense of social connection. So going to India with my family, uh, with my parents at the time, my brother wasn't born then, so just the three of us, but then meeting family there, so great social connection. Makes a memorable story that you would enjoy telling for years to come. Um, and yeah, you know, I've got wonderful stories and memories from that time and connecting with family. I mentioned about the train strike being stuck in a town called Jansi uh, in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. for a month, just seeing, a, yeah, it was quite an experience. Mm. Uh, it's, and it's tightly linked to a sense of who you are or you want to be. Well, again, again, my listeners will, our listeners will know about my struggle with identity and being in India and being here, living in the UK. So there's a lot there and provides a unique opportunity that eludes easy comparison with other options of other available options and in those days you know going to india was 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 a big deal you know we went on pan am if any of you remember pan am yeah and it would stop it would stop every few you know we went paris frankfurt damascus islamabad and lots of other places and baghdad and all lots of places it just kept stopping it, it took hours and it took forever to get there but um yeah it was it was great fun so experiences when money buys experiences then money can buy happiness Okay, uh, number two on this uh, list in your blog is uh, money can buy happiness by creating treats for yourself. Tell me a bit about that. Yes, um, money creates opportunities to buy more things, especially those things that we would love to have and enjoy. The problem is when something's easily available, then you tend to take it for granted. You know, you sort of have a sort of the initial buzz of getting it. But then that buzz begins to wear thin after a while. Uh, and that can come quickly or, you know, but it eventually comes. But the key thing is if you can recognize that there's an end to it, yeah, then it brings focus to, to the mind. OK, so they give examples of, um, of, of, you know, for example, if you have your same same food treat every day, you'll get sick of it. 
or if you just binge on 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 a favorite TV program every day, then then then, then it loses it, its value. But when you know that you're going to do it for for a certain fixed amount of time, that you can look forward to that anticipation. We'll come to that later on, and enjoy it for, for what it is. I suppose f- from my personal experience, uh, mm. buying my uh, uh, engagement ring for my fiance is something that uh, it about uh, yeah definitely so I, I've, I've just got engaged and uh, uh, bought a, f- a ring for my fiance obviously is when you get engaged yeah, as you do and yeah. you know that's something that's brought a lot of happiness to my fiance and to me as well to be able to give that to her and obviously you, hopefully you're not going to buy any more engagement rings so it's just it's the one <laughs> it's, 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 it's just the one yeah. it's hopefully the one and only one so that's yeah. and that specialness with it so yeah so you created that treat for yourself as it were or create for, for your fiance yeah, yeah. So another way that money can buy us happiness is by using money to buy time. Now tell me about that. Yes, because we live in a world that is incredibly rushed. Everybody mm. you talk to says how busy they are, and we all are busy. There's, you know, we've all got, what is it, 1,440 minutes in the day, but there's just so much crammed in. And we seem to be so busy. But again, I think there's something about our perception of that. They, they, you know, Dunn and Norton talk about in their book, they, they did a research project looking at leisure time in the 1960s compared to now. And in fact, we actually have four hours more leisure time per week than our you know, parents did in the 1960s. Mm. Um, but it's, the key thing is using money to open opportunities to spend time in more profitable ways. Um, give us some examples then, Sunil. Well, I could actually give, give you a quote from, from their book. He says, thinking about time rather than money spurs people to engage in activities that promote well-being like socializing and volunteering oh. why is that because time and money promote different mindsets yeah. we view we view our choices about how to spend time as being deeply connected to our sense of self by contrast choices about money often lead to thinking in sort of cold rational ways so focusing on time frees people to prioritize happiness and social relationships so when i think okay i'm going to spend an hour doing something well i want to spend that hour in a positive, productive way. Mm. When I think about money, I think about money. Okay, I've got to save some money here. I've got to put that there. Okay, I've See got what to, deal you can get with this. Like or that. And that adds a degree of tension. It's using a different part of your brain. Mm. So there's that's there's less. And in many ways, it's it's a good thing to think about money in in a in an unemotional way as possible. Mm. But that doesn't really engage with your happiness centers. Can I throw in a cliche here? Please do. Yeah. Time is money, they say, don't they? Time is money is what they say, isn't it? And that's trying to bring those together. But uh, the problem with that is, and when you start thinking time is money, then rather than enjoying the moment, you start thinking, well, this is costing me so much money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what about uh, money can bring you happiness by paying first and only later consuming? So, paying first and consuming later. Well, it goes into that time is money idea, doesn't it? Really, because. Um, if if they're too closely they're too closely related together, then that sort of rational part of me isn't able to engage in the emotion mm. and, and, and the fun or the joy of, of enjoying the time. Yeah, you're, you're almost you're almost haunted by by the by the by the money side of it exactly, rather than yeah, actually the, 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 the freedom of it. Yes. Um, so there's something about anticipating and looking forward to an event or a purchase that enables you to enjoy it more. Mm. So. Um, you know that makes common sense that sounds like common sense if i get everything that i want right now i'm more likely to take it for granted and keep looking to something else for gratification and pleasure mm. 
So, you know, that's why, you know, children, the young children are rushing from one toy to another toy to another toy. That, you know, that's, that they can easily get bored by that. Mm, mm. Um, but again, let me just quote from the book. Research has consistently shown that how we, do, how we drive more joy from things coming to us in the future than from things already received. So they studied a thousand people in, in Holland who, and they showed, this is fascinating, that oh, the holidaymakers were actually happier in the week before they went on holiday mm. than in the week when they returned back from holiday. Mm. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, there's, it's that joy of looking forward to Christmas or the yeah. new year. And then when it actually, you know, in November, that's a happier time because Christmas is coming, the new year's coming, the holidays are coming. And then you've got the January blues, as it were. Um, you know, that's, uh, that, that's what happens. It's the anticipation that, that is actually very, very powerful. And also, it's interesting, isn't it, that, you know, when, we go on, when we're kids and we go on a, on a journey or something, it, it feels um, longer to get somewhere and, and it always feels that it's quicker to come back from somewhere. That's what I felt when I was growing up. Yes. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's probably, as you say, because it's partly we're, we're thinking more, anticipating more, we're longing more right. for, for yeah. something good. That's right. And there's a part of the brain called, it's, it's, I don't want to get too technical, called the nucleus accumbens. And that's linked to the experience of pleasure and reward. And that's what gets activated mm. when we start thinking about, uh, about the, the pleasurable things that are happening. The problem, though, is that our society, which is very much based on credit cards, is saying, enjoy now and pay later. Yeah. And the problem is that we then build up debt. And so we might enjoy whatever we purchase. But then that horrible thinking when, when the credit card bill comes and we see how big it is and those envelopes come through the door telling us how much we owe. Yeah. Uh, that, in a sense, becomes rather disconcerting. So we're, we're really looking so in this life for... for, for, ha and for later, and that doesn't bring happiness. But we're talking about paying first and, sorry, and consuming later. You're going to say something, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's about healthy happiness in a sense isn't it yes so healthy happiness is by paying first and only later consuming so i get over that initial hump of you know we don't use checks so much but you know writing the check or mm. paying the bill mm. and then and then as it were consuming later so I, i've separated i've divorced those two experiences now what about investing money in others as a way to that money can bring us happiness and all yeah now the, the famous saying, it's better to give than to receive, was, was what Jesus said. And that truth really does still hold all these thousands of years later. Um, and it's shown scientifically. They, they did a study of 600 Americans, and it was shown the amount of money individuals devoted them to themselves was unrelated to their level of happiness. So the more they spent on themselves, you know, that they've shown with, with salary as well that, that obviously if you're on the poverty line and, and really struggling, then money does buy happiness because it buys you food, it buys you a, a place to, to live and all that. But once you hit a certain threshold, going any higher doesn't actually bring any more happiness. It, it, it plateaus. But what does give happiness is the amount of money you give away. In fact, the, the Gallup um, World Poll, they told uh, 136 countries and they showed uh, how donating to, to charity had a similar relationship to happiness as doubling your household income. Wow. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? But again, there are three strategies that boast that, that boost this impact of investing in others. When when you're giving out of choice, so you're not giving again, Jesus, you know, it says in the New Testament, everyone should give should give cheerfully, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. So when you're giving it because you want to and it's making a connection with somebody and it's you're seeing it's making a difference, it's making an impact. Mm. Those three things, it's a choice, there's a connection and there's an impact. Mm. 
then that actually does bring happiness. And also, <laughs> we talked about this in another podcast, didn't we? About simplifying our lives a little bit. So if we if we give away something that we have, it it by 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 definition we're actually having less for us to have to choose and choose yes, and right, yeah. and uh, work out what we need to do with our money. We, exactly. we, we're a bit of a simpler life, isn't it? It creates a simpler life. And just just tying these principles together, a, a personal story. Remember I told you that we decided to go on that trip to uh, India in 1973. Oh. Well, I remember a, a story from that time is that uh, we were given this we were given we were given all these boxes of sweets which we, there's no way we could eat. <laughs> and we had to take this train journey. And uh, it was far more, and there were these these, these young children begging uh, at, on the station platform, and we had all these sweets, and it wasn't a particularly generous thing we did at all, but yeah. we didn't need them, so we just gave the sweets to to the children on, on the on who were living on the station platform, yeah. and I remember to this day how shocked and surprised and happy they were to get those sweets, yeah. and uh, I remember because we gave them the sweets, and then we, then we got onto our train, and the children could see us through. Sitting in the train, and I was sitting there, and they were joy, and they were laughing, and they were giggling, and they were smiling, and they were coming up to us, and it was it was lovely, and I can remember that. Oh, goodness me, that's more than forty years ago. So, in a sense, that that the amount of happiness we have is proportional to the amount of value that we give to it, isn't it? Yes, because it's a skill to receive, as it is a skill to give. And if what you're receiving is really important to you, then then you understand how important that it is. I mean, actually, Martin Lloyd-Jones has got a fascinating um, statement about that. He's, he gives this story about, say, for example, I know, Andrew, you were staying at my house, okay? And and, and I went out with a family. And I came back, and, and you said to me, Andrew, um, while you were out, somebody knocked on the door, and they said, there's a bill to pay. And I said, okay. And what, what what's what's the next thing I want to ask you? How, how much is it? How much is the bill? So if the bill, for example, was 20 pence and you pay 20 pence, then it's, it's, it's almost not even worth saying that. Although I, should, I should say thank you. It's hardly even worth saying thank you because 20 pence is hardly anything at all. But say the bill was 20 million pounds and I had to pay it and you had the resources to pay it and you paid it for me. Yeah. I would really value that. <laughs> that would be really important to me. Yeah. So it, it, it's knowing the value of, of what you've been given. Yeah. Um, it makes a big difference. Okay, so let's look at while we're on this money theme today. Uh, we're looking at um, another blog you've written, the the surprising connection between God, money, and happiness. And so, this is interesting. So this is sort of weaving in the spiritual aspect to it, isn't it? It's yeah. And it's surprising, isn't it? Because we don't really tend to think of God and money as being connected, mm. and yet in the Bible, Jesus is very. In the Bible, is very very strong about money um and not for reasons you might think you know uh some statistics apparently and somebody obviously counted this up there are approximately 500 verses in the bible on prayer there's 500 on faith but when it comes to money and possessions any ideas how many how much there's it's 2350 verses so apparently 15 percent of jesus words are on money and possessions wow and he that that is more than he spoke about heaven and hell mm-hmm. and of jesus 38 parables 16 over 40 percent of them are about money mm. now that's surprising actually it's incredibly surprising that that uh, the bible should have so much about money in it i think about something like the power of the talents for example yes that's that's a good one yes um that's right about men be, you know about people who've been given give, being given different talents and how they use and spent it Absolutely. and the lost coin and that sort of thing yeah, there, there are lots yeah, so. but 
you know, here's how an author put it. He says, Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing, because when it comes to a man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through scripture, there's intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles his money. Mm. So there's that huge relationship there. Um, I think I, I don't remember the quote, but it was something about how you can uh, measure the 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 um, the goodness of someone's heart by the by how they use their money or something. You know, it's about. And also, but we, we've got to remember it, it's not necessarily the amount, because again, Jesus commended a, an elderly widow who gave just two. He he, he was in he was in the temple. And he was seeing people giving their money into into the offering. And this poor widow just gave two very small coins, mm. and he said that she actually gave more than the people who were giving them from their from their huge mm. wealth. Mm. A, lo- a lot of it is about our heart attitude, isn't it? Exactly. So? And again, how important money to us. So, so it's not about you know, it's, it's people very simplistically put, it's not about necessarily you know the rich are bad and the poor are good. It's not as simple as that. It's what is our attitude towards money. And again, the Bible is very nuanced. You know, uh, in fact, Jesus' brother James. Uh, the, the, the blood brother of Jesus, uh, writing about 45 AD, about a, a decade after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, this is what he wrote in his letter. In, and par- in, 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 this is a paraphrase from the original Greek in chapters 1, verse 9 to 11 of James's letter. He says, When down and outers get a break, cheer. And when the arrogant rich are brought down to size, cheer. Prosperity is as short-lived as a wildflower. So don't ever count on it. You know that as soon as the sun rises, pouring down its scorching heat, the flower withers, its petals wilt, and before you know it, that beautiful face is a barren stem. Well, that's a picture of the prosperous life. At the very moment, everyone is looking on it in admiration. It fades away to nothing. And he talks about two kinds of people. He says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. So the point I'm trying to get at here is it's our attitude towards money that's really important. And what he's saying is that if you're doing well and you're rich, humble yourself to remember that it's only passing mm. and if you're poor or struggling and again you just have to apply it to money you can apply in any situation really remember that god wants to, is, is is able to lift you up mm. so it's 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 he brings the, he lifts up the humble and he brings down the proud mm. so don't take pride because you know it's very easy if you're wealthy to, to move from saying I, I i'm i'm economically better off than somebody else to start saying i'm better than somebody else yeah all because i've got a bit more money and the other verse, I can't quite remember where it is in the Bible, about where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And that yes, sort of that's right. And, and where, where your treasure is, so you're, it's, it's the opposite to what you think, because we think <laughs> where my heart is, that's where my treasure will be. No, no, no. Where your, your heart will follow where your treasure is, mm. the things that you value. So if you value, you know, I remember actually a famous uh, a quote I heard from Africa, actually. There was this poor African boy, and he said, um, in your country, you have money and things, so you value things. In our country, we only have, sorry, you have, sorry, you have, you have people and things, and you value uh, things. In our country, we only have people, so we value people. Yeah, really good. And it's actually a very profound quote. Mm. And regardless of our economic circumstance, we have to remember that things ultimately pass away. They get old. And as James said, you see a beautiful flower. It looks lo- looks lovely. Enjoy it. It's, it's beautiful. But it's going to wilt and, and, and under the heat of the sun, it's going to die. It's going to be gone. It's interesting a lot of uh, when you see in the media sort of the celebrity lifestyle and that sort of thing how they they get loads of money and you know they're, they're rolling in it they don't know what to do with all their money and then they kind of you know 
when they go out of the limelight and, and a lot of these people become bankrupt or, or, or have throw their money away and you don't hear anything of them. They, they do um, fade away, don't they, as well? They do, yeah, exactly. They fade away like, like, that, that, like that wildflower. Um, and what is it that, 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 they're, that they're living for? Um, and, and, and an Old Testament writer writing two, two and a half thousand years ago, Jeremiah, I love this quote from him. I, I always go back to it. He says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let the one who or the celebrity boast of their celebrity status. That, that was my paraphrase. Yeah. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they know that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. So there's something about delighting in relationship with God and in relationship with others that, as it were, is timeless and is precious. So sort of coming to land now, yeah. it's important to kind of recap on what we've said in terms of how money can buy you happiness, yeah. but only... In a certain way. In a certain way. And getting those principles that, that, that we talked about earlier on, that it, by buying experiences, by creating treats for yourself, by using money to buy time, by paying first and only consuming later. And, and by investing in others. And by using money to invest in others, absolutely. But again, it's very important, you know, we don't want to give the impression that money is, is, is about, you know, everything, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Everything costs money. Everything costs money. Mm. And money is a tool. And, you know, you know, it says in Timothy that he a misquote of the Bible is that money is the root of all kinds of evil well actually it doesn't say that. it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and so money is a tool you know in the same way you can use a hammer to um to to to, to build a house or you can use a hammer to hit somebody on the head and kill them so it, it's, it's what you do with the tool is, is the key thing and you could have used that tape recorder you know that you that you oh, got yes. when you were younger as a tool if you wanted to if you were becoming a sort of a media professional or something like that but yeah, you know yeah that's right um but it, it's what you do with the tool is, is the key thing. And so, you know, for example, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are among the wealthiest people in the world today. But they appear to be finding great fulfillment and happiness in being generous and dedicating their lives to being philanthropic. So it's we, we've got to get away from the idea that money of itself is, is a bad thing. It's how I use it. Um, and there's obviously the, the danger is obviously that we have a, a get rich culture that thinks, my problems are money and unfortunately i think that's you know governments and nations think in those terms but it's in that sense you know money doesn't buy happiness uh, but there, there, there's no better time in a sense if, if we think about happiness as well we we tend to d delay happiness so we think when i have this or when i get that then i'll be happy but the problem is there'll always be more things that, that we could have um, and, you know, it's, it's closing, I think I'll close with, with, with Randy Alcorn, and he puts it very bluntly. He says, all your life you've been on a treasure hunt. You've been searching for a perfect person and a perfect place. Jesus is that person. Heaven is that place. And that's why money, in a sense, really challenges us where, where our spiritual heart is. Are we looking at our investments in the here and now or in, in our pension portfolio or in our stocks or whatever we've got? And I'm not saying those are wrong. You need to do those things. But where where is my perspective? Am I looking for the long term, looking at that portfolio that will last billions of years, not just that will keep me through to, to, to the end of my retirement?
If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.